Welcome to the Music Business Podcast. Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends, tactics, and insights from some of the world's brightest minds in music. I'm Jordan Williams of EQT Management. And I'm Sam Heisel from Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Music Business Podcast. Today, uh, super excited to have our guest, Nick Catchdubs, um, co-founder of Fool's Gold Records. Been a fan of Fool's Gold for a while. Uh, started in 2007. Over the course of the past 12 years, has become one of the uh, one of the most prominent independent record labels in the game. Um, co-founded between Nick and A Track. Obviously, over the course of the past 12 years, both of their careers have kind of really skyrocketed. So in the episode, it was really awesome to learn about how they went about kind of laying the foundation for what is today Fool's Gold. Outside of the record label, Fool's Gold does Fool's Gold Day Off, which is their big kind of like event party series. Um, and it's had major events, booked major talents and been around for a minute. Uh, I think one thing that really excites me about Fool's Gold too is, I mean, the community they've built, I think, uh, when it comes to record labels, um, oftentimes, yeah, they'll provide tons of promotional and marketing support, but I'd say very few record labels have the same passionate, engaged community that Fool's Gold does. And I think they're, I mean, as a result, it, it becomes a very powerful platform for the artists they work with. Um, so what do you think, Jordan? Yeah, man. I think I think one thing that I, we got into that a lot of people in the music industry don't is this whole notion of work-life balance. I think obviously the music industry, everybody loves what they do, and obviously other people love what they do in different in different fields as well. But in the music industry, it can sort of become this cult where everybody is just obsessed with working and and no play. And I think I think it was super valuable for him to talk about that a little bit. In addition to, you know, when I think of Fool's Gold, I just think of quality. Mm -hmm. As a brand, you know, I think of hard workers, people who just support good music. Like like he said, Fool's Gold doesn't put out like a whack record. Um, so it was super interesting to hear all of that and then him go back to, you know, but I'm still, you know, taking care of myself. So I think our listeners will get a good sense of that. Um, a good sense of, you know, how he got to where he got today, but also, you know, he didn't kill himself in the meantime. So yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Awesome. Well, uh, whether you're an artist, manager, aspiring record label founder, whatever it may be, I think, uh, this episode is filled with gems. So let's get into it. Nick, what's good, man? Welcome to the show. Live from the Brass Factory. <laughs> we out here. Yeah. yeah. We really need to say that this I time. Ju- so. I just took a, a, a lollipop. From the communal bucket, I feel Ooh. like I've 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 embraced this co-working space. You have a lot of people don't even do that themselves. They walk past it out nah, of shame. And we're we're in the Wyclef room. We go hard. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Well, super excited to have you on the show today, man. What you've been able to accomplish with your own DJ career with Fool's Gold, super impressive. Um, just to start it off, I mean, you've you manage a few careers: DJ, label executive. Uh, a lot of times people choose one direction or the other, but what made you decide to kind of be involved in both sides there? Um, you know, I think it's more being open to different opportunities rather than necessarily strategically pursuing any one thing or another. I mean, you know, I've always been interested in a lot of different avenues and and I love music. I love, you know, art, entertainment in all its forms. Um, you know, the things that I've encountered in my life and career have kind of led in this area, but, you know, I'm excited to explore even more than that. You know what I mean? Especially as time goes on, you don't want to sort of catch yourself in like a sort of groundhog day scenario. Um, you know, and I, I think that for me, I've always found that if I get sort of, you know, bored or, 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 or frustrated or not a hundred percent fulfilled in one thing. I'm fortunate that I can kind of like bounce to something else. And, you know, if there's stuff that I'm interested in that I haven't necessarily pursued professionally or, or as a hobby beforehand, I can kind of like teach myself how to do it. Um, you know, I just want to stay engaged. If I feel like I'm not like super engaged in what I'm doing, it's probably time to like put on a different hat. Yeah, that's awesome. Wait, can you talk a little bit about the uh, the founding story of Fool's Golds? You were at the Fader just before, yeah? Yeah, so, you know, even how I got involved in, in you know, the big air quotes, music business yeah. to begin with, you know, it's kind of a, a roundabout 
thing. Uh, I was in college. I was, I was going to NYU, and I was on the program board. Nice. And so we would put on shows, and I would do a lot of design, like posters and stuff for these different shows. And that kind of led to b- being sort of in music on the design side. And, you know, I had a website, so I was, you know, writing stuff, even pre kind of, you know, blogs. It was just literally a website, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on Dreamweaver, like doing coding. <laughs> that. Uh, so, so I was involved in music on a, a design side and on a writing side. And I was um, doing like little blurbs for uh, Turntable Lab in, in, you know, like a new 12 inch comes in. And I'd write like a pithy little thing about it. It was all very, you know, kind of... Um, you know, naive and, and just sort of like, oh, this is, this is a thing I do. You know, it wasn't like, all right, cool. So this is how I'm on this rung of the ladder. And then if I meet this person to do this, <laughs> da, da, da. you know, like I just was a person who was out and about and, you know, not like, let me go to a networking. Yeah. Um, and the, the people at Fader at the time, I think stumbled upon stuff that I was doing and just were like, hey, you have a website. You kind of know what this is about. We don't. <laughs> just like a to, to subscribe to like the paper magazine to have it sent to your house with you know Jordan brand advertisements. <laughs> so like we, we people are starting websites. Will you start this website for us? And so that led to kind of launching uh, the Fader website and you know being on board there as a writer editor. At the meantime, I'm pursuing design stuff. I'm doing you know DJ and music stuff. Really without. A, a plan so much as like, oh, here are things that I'm doing that I'm getting paid for and I like them all, to, <laughs> you know, to some degree. They're all interesting. They're all new, you know, and I, I think sometimes new can 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 disguise a lot, but it was it was super fun and super interesting. Um, and in the midst of all this stuff, I was doing the uh, Faders radio show on um, – East Village Radio, uh, we were on right before Mark Ronson's show. And nice. this was like, he was still kind of just sort of like New York DJ dude. And he was working with a bunch of unknown artists at the time, Lily Allen, um, Amy Winehouse. Like it, the, the the sort of world takeover was still, you know, a, a, a couple years right. ahead. So it was like, it was a very fertile time creatively. And a lot of like fun parties were happening in New York. Um, there's a Monday night party at Sway that uh, Roxy Cottontail would throw with, you know, people from, you know, Supreme and, you know, the, the, the retail mafia uh, c- conglomeration of, of, of indie streetwear brands at the time. There's just a lot of interesting stuff happening. And I found myself in the middle of a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a party that Roxy booked um, with me and A-Track DJing. And A-Track at the time, you know, he was this sort of like teen Canadian scratch phenom who, like me, found himself not being a teen anymore. And just sort of like, <laughs> all right, cool, what, what do I do? You know, like scratching is cool, but scratching music is kind of, you know, boring. Party music is a lot more fun. And so he, at, at the same time that he was taking his sort of skill set to a more diverse and, and fun musical direction, I was kind of taking my skill set wherever it led me. And so we're two, you know gunslingers and you know we'd meet up and sort of realize that all of this stuff that we're doing in these kind of like little scenes that we're a part of there wasn't really a home for it you know in the way that like at the time um ed banger was popping off in paris and it was like oh cool here's a home for all of the interesting you know parisian you know new artists and it says like man we could do that for for our own scene in North America. It's like all of our friends were DJing and starting to make stuff, but there, there wasn't like an official place for it. It was just sort of like, oh, I'll put this on MySpace. And <laughs> I think that attitude and that sort of background of kind of like having a lot of different interests and, and a lot of different abilities, a, a, a sort of div- super diverse Rolodex and a, a sort of DJ attitude you know, really, like I think in in a lot of ways, as much as what we did was, um, you know, kind of kind of left leaning and experimental on the music side. I think on the philosophical side, it's a very kind of traditional sort of hip hop attitude of like being the freshest. You know, like not biting, being original. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 I think that that all of those things became the gumbo that 
12 years later is still fool's gold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. So now how do you, how do you balance, you know, you actually have, have a, a career as a DJ now and you also own a, a, a you know, a, a pretty big label. How do you balance the responsibilities now? It sounds like at the time, you know, a couple were hobbies and a couple of them were things that you kind of like really took seriously and made more money from. But it seems like now all these things are kind of popping around the same time. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's difficult. You know what I mean? It, it, that's the, that's the realest way to, to, to talk about it. Like it's not something that there is a formula for, because if there was, everybody would do it. Right. You know, I, and especially now as the music industry becomes sort of, you know, math more so than ever before. Like it's very, very sort of data driven. Right. And, 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 you know, what's our streaming strategy? Like what are, are, are we on TikTok? Like what are we doing with this <laughs> thing that came out, you know, this week? And, you know, I, I think that in a lot of ways we almost opt out of that element and realize that, Hey, you know what? We have a niche that at the end of the day is ours. And, you know, we can grow that. Like we want it to feel like a thing that's open to as many listeners and as many fans as possible. But at the same time, it's not meant to be everything for everybody. Mm -hmm. For the people who it is for, we want it to be, we want to overserve that audience. Right. And so I think that that attitude of being like, you know what, when this works, it's because we're working hard at being the most us that we can be. You know, that's the, that's the way to follow it. And the nice thing about that is that, you know, when stuff works, it's almost like this nice byproduct as opposed to like this desperate, you know, Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross kind of like, oh man, we need, we need, we need this record to, to, to hit or else, you know, we, we can't We're done. rent this office anymore. You know, I think that, you know, it, it changes every year too. You know what I mean? It's like, we've been fortunate in that, you know, over the, the course of the label, there's been different periods of success and different levels of success. So, you know, for us, the end goal is to be sustainable. To be right. a thing that, you know, we can all feel like we're growing with personally, like the artists are growing, uh, you know, but the, the, the team you rock with at any given season can change. So I think that just sort of like being Zen about it, being mature about it, like getting, you know, tighter on the, on the business side. And that just kind of comes through experience, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I think that those kind of things make what we do unique, at least behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't speak for what it's like being at another label because I've never worked for another label. Right. You know, like I've, I've never really worked at a lot of jobs, you know, right. like I, I've been a freelance dude and I worked for a magazine for a couple of years and then was, you know, doing my own thing, you know, as a, as an artist and entrepreneur. And so, you know, it's, it's not, a path that is for everybody. But I think that for me, you know, each year you figure out what, how is this going to work for me now? And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to do the best <laughs> job as I can at one that. One day at a time, yeah. one day at a time. So who are some of the major actors at, at Fool's Gold? There's obviously you and A-Track, but. Yeah. So, so, you know, we're, we're the, the two, you know, founders and, and owners. Mm-hmm. Um, A-Track's brother, Dave, you know, who's part of Chromia. Uh, you know, he also plays a large role. Um, you know, he, he gravitates towards the more, I think, aesthetic kind of uh, side of things. So it's like, you know, the look and feel of the store, you know, is more his brainchild than, right. than us. And, you know, when we do art shows recently, we did um, a show with this photographer, uh, Aiden Cullen, who was sort of like interning for us doing photos and then blew up as the kind of like go-to guy for the Omar Apollos and stuff of the world. Like, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a really talented dude and built this amazing portfolio, you know, just kind of like being out there and like being part of these scenes. So it was cool to kind of like, you know, be a part of his world and, and have his first, uh, solo photo show in the fool's gold store. And we did, um, we did like a, a, a art book for it. You know, like this sort of, um, you know, like perfect bound. It's, it's it's more than a zine. Like it's an actual art book. Right. Um, and so that's the kind of project where it's just sort of like, you know, Dave, you shepherd this through. And, you know, um, 
this uh, company called Wax Studios did the design of it, um, you know, under under his direction. So it's like, you know, I think that for us in in that sort of like triumvirate, you know, we try to kind of do things where like everybody is, um, you know, working in a in a complementary way. And that doesn't mean like, oh, you know, we clock in at whatever and, you know, clock out at the end of the day. It's just more like what kind of access do we each have? What kind of abilities do we each have? And how can we, you know, put them all to work right. at any given time? Which is easier said than done when people are like traveling around the world yeah. for shows or just being, you know, adults with lives. And stuff. <laughs> um, but, you know, a- outside of that kind of creative brain trust um, we have a, a full-time label manager, um, you know, a full-time uh, in-house accountant, um, you know, and a full-time store manager. But uh, beyond that, you know, we keep it very lean and just sort of like bring people on for different projects. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I feel like for us, maintaining that sense of nimbleness, like, hey, you know what? we have too much space in this office. Like let's rent, <laughs> you know, a desk out, you know, it's important right. to do that because, you know, having more people on board doesn't necessarily make for a better experience, especially now when a, a lot of the roles that a label takes, you know, are changing. And for us, we don't just put out people's music. We have the live side of fool's gold. Um, we have the merch, you know, doing more kind of like pure video content kind of things like hustling for sponsorships. And ultimately we've built this cool brand, this multifaceted brand that at the end of the day stands for us and our values as, you know, as, as creatives. So it's like, we can use that in any way we see fit. You know, I think that it's just sort of like, Hey, is this interesting? Is it dope? Is it, is it raising the bar in some way? Cool. Let's pursue it. Um, you know, especially as the music industry itself on a core level changes so much, you know, like if we can kind of keep that lean and effective and make early bets, we don't need to necessarily be like, okay, cool. Now we're going to put out your fourth album and this is your product manager who you've never met before. And like, you know, (laughs) it's, it's the kind of thing where it's like, if people, if people trust us and, and let us kind of like position the projects in, in, in ways we need to, it works super well. You know, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it it you know it becomes like more of like a headbutting situation. Right. So over time, I think we've kind of like learned to see the red flags of that at the early stages right. because they're always there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then try to avoid it. And and you know, we, we we seek out people who kind of understand that. And I try to be as transparent up front with everybody. It's sort of like, hey, look, you know, this is the deal for right now. The deal you know, next year might be a little bit different. Like as long as we communicate and as long as we are respectful of what one another is bringing to the table, this will be awesome. And then right. if it isn't awesome, we'll, we'll move on. And yeah. Put your shit on SoundCloud. Like it's cool. <laughs> you know? Right. For sure. I think I really like too what you were saying in regards with the art show and showcasing that and the art book. I, I think one thing you guys have done really well is created a very kind of engaged and loyal and passionate community which I think is like a super valuable like asset. I mean, there's not people that are like fans of like universal music group, at least at like the consumer level. Whereas you guys like, I mean, between the parties, between the merch, um, can you speak as to how you've actually built out that kind of community? What do you think were some of the, the big factors or things you did that enabled you to create that community? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've had records that have hit, we've had records that have missed, I can confidently say we haven't had any that have just been like whack, mm-hmm. you know, like just sort of like straight up. There might be th- stuff that you don't like personally, right. but but objectively, you know, I think that there's a through line, you know, through, you know, 250 odd releases that, you know, s- speaks for itself. Right. And I think the same thing goes for the shows, you know, like w- we can't book the same people year after year that gets super boring. So, you know, I think that for us being able to kind of zig and zag and, you know, try to get in front of stuff early Mm -hmm. and really just, you know, even the fact that we program the shows ourselves in terms of like the running time and, Mm -hmm. and, and think about like, Hey, you know, as DJs, what makes a good set? Like how can we make this concert feel like a good set? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that, that, that's something that you, you feel, you might not notice it. I mean, hopefully you don't see the, um, you know, the, 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 the strings being pulled anywhere, you know, like you want it to be a, a sort of, um, 
you know, seamless experience. But like we we care about stuff. We 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 care about stuff to the point that it's like we care about the things that don't need to be mm-hmm. cared about at the end of the day. Like when <laughs> I have arguments with people, they're about like the font. You know what I mean? Which in in the grand scheme of things doesn't make a difference, but in one specific way, it makes all of the difference. Right. You know, so like caring about those little details, you know, for better or worse is, is, is I think what is allowed for a level of consistency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not a purely money driven company at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, again, for better or worse. Like it's the kind of thing where it's like, we take something that doesn't have a PNL attached to it. You know what I mean? Like when Fool's Gold works, you know, when a show brings out an actual community, when it fosters, you know, friendships, you know, people who met one another at a day off, you know, or like songs that exist because people linked at the store, you know, like that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that we find that rewarding in many ways. Um that we would do this, you know, even in times when it's, when it's down, mm-hmm. you know, like all of this stuff is the, uh, the roller coaster curve. Yeah. And I think that the people who stick around are the ones who kind of like know how to like take stock of shit when you're on the, the, the dip right. portion. Cause nobody's, you know, peaking forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That actually kind of leads us to a question that me and Sam were wondering earlier is you guys started a label kind of at a time where labels at the time seemed like they were on the way out. You know, people were kind of freaking out, you know, so what? what 05, 07. Yeah. So like what? Shift to streaming. Right. And people are like, music's not going to make money anymore. All this stuff that is now actually proven to be wrong. But um, what what made you place an early bet on an indie label at the time? And like creating an indie label. Or did you even think about it? Or was it just like, dude, we should just do it. Like, fuck it. I don't think we thought about it in in terms of like industry trends necessarily. Mm -hmm. Because we always felt and still do feel like outsiders in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways. You know, like the the label launched with um, Kid Sisters Project. Because, you know, A-Track produced a lot of those records and would be bringing them around to traditional labels and they didn't understand it. They were like, well, this is hip hop, kind of. This is dance, kind of. This is pop, kind of. Like, it's all of these things. You know, if it was just one of those things, cool, here's your budget. <laughs> like, we understand how to put it out. Now, you know, a decade and change later, you have the pollen playlist on Spotify. You have right. festivals that, you know, cater to 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 this different kind of hybrid audience. When we started Day Off, the only hip hop festival was like Rock the Bells and it was, you know, for dads and <laughs> you know like no offense like it was it, it, it was it, it was an older audience. Right, right. Now, you know, we're at the point where it's like we're aging and and the artists who we started with are getting older too. And so, you know, for us the, the challenge is not about being new but all but like ha- connecting the dots between these generations in a way that like when we started it was more kind of like self-segregating in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, we always wanted to bring people together. Like we love new stuff. We love old stuff. You know what I mean? I very much consider myself a student of, you know, of music, a student of the game. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I like learning. I like, you know, coming up on, you know, just things I hadn't heard before, stuff that will surprise me. And sometimes that's a record from the 70s. Sometimes that's some new thing that just came out yesterday you know like if it's dope it's dope you know like my dad is a history teacher you know i feel like that's the kind of thing that's in my blood you know what i mean like i would be psyched being a librarian somewhere you know what i mean but i'm the dj librarian right just a natural curiosity awesome so as the industry has evolved and i think i mean you're seeing a lot more independent record labels emerge um like what do you think are the key elements or kind of core value propositions of very good labels. I think artists are often trying to like evaluate between some and some are more innovative than others. But from your perspective, what do you think are the key value props? Um, You know, on paper, I still believe that it all starts with the music. You know what I mean? Like for me anyway, I need it to be good. I need it to be music that I actually like. I need it to be music that I objectively 
feel is is interesting. Yeah. In practice, that's not the number one reason why stuff is successful. Right. You know, it's it's a portion of it. If you make it to a certain point, like that's the 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 thing that will keep you in. Mm-hmm. But it's not the first thing that gets people attention in mm-hmm. in the sort of viral world, you know? And that's not new to today. Like in the 50s, you know, it's like, oh, this this kid has a cool haircut and, you know, he's got a catchy song. Like that's, <laughs> let's, let's press it on a 45 and, you know, right. take it to the sock hop. You right. know, like that attitude has been in the music business since inception. And now I, I feel like it's as true as it's ever been, but there's also different lanes, mm-hmm. you know, like you don't have to just be immediately like, oh, I want to blow up and have this sort of, you know, surprise song and like go from my bedroom to billboard awards or whatever you can carve out a niche that is just more like no this is for the heads only or Mm -hmm. or find a happy medium Mm -hmm. you know but you do have to find a way to make yourself stand out and whatever your route is find a way to own it because you can't do it halfway Mm -hmm. um you know, and that said, I think that when stuff is successful, it's because everybody's kind of pulling their weight. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, when, with the question of like, you know, whether or not to to sign with a label or work with a label, if you're really motivated and organized, you could do all of that stuff yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> if if you have a manager or a management team that's on point and knows their shit and and understands these different avenues and all the different possible bags to, to, you know, that are out there. Great. You, they can be your label, you know, for us, we want to be a creative partner as much as a business one. So if you want to work with us, you need to want a degree of input. Right. And, you know, I think that our success stories over the years have been where fool's gold is over producing the management is overproducing the PR, the booking agent, first and foremost. You know what I mean? Like everybody's kind of making different opportunities happen and you have something that's greater than the sum of its parts. And, you know, when something doesn't work, you know, everybody kind of wants to point the finger elsewhere, but it's sort of like, hey, you know what? Even this could have been something where everybody's kicking ass and it just doesn't connect with listeners, you know? Mm -hmm. It it just kind of is... What it is like if anyone who says that they can predict it, uh, you know, I, I don't have a lot of trust. Right. And, you know, the, the, all of these situations are different. So it's like you have to understand the situation that works best for you at this point. Mm. You know, I think a lot of artists get worried about signing deals way too early. You know, it's sort of like, oh, you don't have any fans yet. You're not connecting with the audience. Even if we put all of our muscle behind that. What's it going to do? Who's who's going to listen to it? You know, it's the it's the it's the the the, the Spotify stream falling in the woods. You know, like who's, who's <laughs> going to be there to to hear it? Right. Um. So you know, again, or you're an artist that's super established. Maybe you know you haven't had you know a, a a record that's resonated in a long time. Do you need a deal in order to do that? No, you, you you already have the amount of fans that you're going to get. Like, give them something that they really love. You don't need a label mm-hmm. to do that. But let's say you want to try something different. You want to try a curveball. You want to try a surprise. We love those opportunities because it let, lets us kind of say, like, what is an interesting juxtaposition for this artist that didn't exist otherwise? You know, mm-hmm. here's someone who people think is only one thing. Oh, but we could flip it and have the art look like this and pair them with this producer mm-hmm. and, and do that. Da, da, da. But as an artist, you have to be open to that. You have to want it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, every, everybody's situation is different. And, you know, as a as a artist and as a label owner, I see both sides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that you just have to think about what works for you. And it's tr- it's trial and error, you know, like mm-hmm. you can't put all of your hopes and dreams in one release, especially now. Where music on a sort of base level has less value than ever before, outside of artistic value and just personal, like I enjoyed this experience, which is, you know, I think a hard thing for people to grasp. And mm-hmm. like me saying one thing doesn't cancel out right. the other. Um, but from a purely business perspective, you know, if something doesn't work, you figure out the next thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, it's time spent being like, oh, this thing didn't work. What is that doing for anybody? Right. I mean, other than sort of 
having the the mindset of being like, hey, you know what? This next go around, let's try a slightly different strategy. Mm-hmm. Like you can't expect different results from doing the same shit. Right. Totally. In that same vein, I mean, you were speaking to some characteristics of artists and traits. I'm curious as to, you've had so much exposure to artists that have made it. Some artists may have had all the right traits and maybe everything looked like it was, they were set up for massive success, but it didn't necessarily take off. I'm curious as to what you've observed as some of the most important traits for artists to nurture if they want to succeed. Especially at Fool's Gold. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're fortunate in that, like, you know, there's nobody who I can really look back and be like, oh, man, fuck that guy. <laughs> but, you know, at, at the same time, it's like, you know, there's there's different personality traits all throughout music. Like, that's mm-hmm. – I, I think that the people who are dynamic on stage and who make really compelling records are wired in a way that makes them not necessarily like a email CCer. You know, like it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. But, you know, again, when it, when it works, I think everybody's doing their thing and everybody's on point. When it doesn't work, there's some kind of breakdown in the communication process. Usually, um, you know, some people are lovable assholes. Mm. Some people are just asshole assholes. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, treating people right goes a long way. And, and a mediocre artist with a great attitude is going to go further than a great artist with a shitty attitude. You mm-hmm. know, that's just how, how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't just be talented, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and expect that that's going to open doors totally free. You know, you have to be, you have to be motivated. You have to be, you know, you, you, you have to be crafty. Just because there's there's too much stuff out there, right? And if you want to cut through that noise, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it's not just going to be because you're good at what you do. Because a lot of people are good at what they do, and then there's people who aren't good at what they do, but will watch a YouTube video where you know a Russian teenager will teach them how to be better at what they do, <laughs> and they're, they're working on their craft and they're learning and they're right. trying things that they didn't try before. Yeah. So you know, a lot of stuff has to go with motivation. And look, sometimes stuff doesn't pan out and some people take that really personally some mm-hmm. people you know will flip that and be like oh this is your fault why this didn't work out right and first of all me as a person if you feel that way we can talk about it you right. know like i've i've had the same phone number since i was in high school i'm very reachable you know <laughs> and i'm and i'm like a reasonable person that said you know let's say a deal is a is a profit share as right. as many of ours are mm mm-hmm. Where it's a it's a fifty fifty split on any profit, mm-hmm. you know that means we're partners in this, right? Even if we're fronting all of the money for it, we're still you know true partners at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So even if something you know crashes and burns in spectacular fashion, and again I'm speaking hypothetically. I feel like we we, <laughs> we, we generally it's never happened. We generally <laughs> do, do a good job, and and if even if something fails, you know I have no problem owning that, though. Let's be real. I will own fifty percent of that. Yeah, you know yeah, what I right. mean. Like it, it, it. Again, nothing works when it's when it's one sided. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Like and 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 again, stuff that's truly successful. As much as there may be people who will try and claim all of that success, it's always a team effort. Mm-hmm. Always a hundred and ten percent. You know, and and I I'm proud of the fact that like you know. I feel like you know we've been able to put together good teams over the years, mm-hmm. and and when things work, it works because everybody's you know in a in a in a good state of mind and working hard. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um how do you think the the A&R process has changed for you from when you started the label until today? Uh or if it's changed at all. You know what? I think that over the years there may have been periods where we've tried different things, sometimes for the better, sometimes for, 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 for less than the better, you know, (laughs) when it works, I think it's when we're super true to ourselves and we're saying like, what is the most interesting creative choice we can make here? Mm. As opposed to like, what's happening in the world and what, what don't we have, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I think you need a degree of that, but it's like spices, you know, it's like too much oregano is going to fuck it up. Like too much nutmeg and like this shit is inedible. Like you you (laughs) just, just a little bit of that spice in your mindset, I think is healthy. Mm-hmm. And and it's just figuring out that 
that balance. And, you know, the, I think that for us, the stuff that works has been the stuff where we're like, man, this is so weird and nobody's doing it. Nobody sounds like Danny Brown. Let's put out mm-hmm. Danny Brown. You know, like nothing sounds like, you know, Flosser Domus right now. Let's right. let's put that out. You know, no, nobody sounds like Kid Sister. Nobody, da, 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 da. And, you know, I think that that's still the sort of guiding principle. You know, sometimes it can just be harder to make that stuff connect when it's in a vacuum. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it can't just be us liking something in the clout era. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it can't just be like, oh, this is cool. You know, th- that's just something that we can put on the Spotify playlist. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, it, it's not something where it's like, hey, let's invest our time and effort and money mm-hmm. into this release or this person's career. Like that I think is is a slightly different alchemy and it's you know it's unique in every case i like when we can make early bets that don't require you know an 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 initial you know outlay of capital it's it's just more like hey you know what we believe in this let's just put this out there we'll you know the art will be cool like we'll we'll provide a context because i think that that's the biggest thing context you know and sometimes that's as simple as a cosine a cosine is a form of context for Mm -hmm. why you should care about something why you should listen for Mm -hmm. something and you know that comes in a lot of different forms but you know a lot of times people are just gems in the wild and we we try and just you know have a have a have a good batting average when it comes to picking them for sure i mean you've made some great picks uh i feel like kid cuddy you guys were one of the earliest How'd you come across him? Yeah, you know, that was just one of those things where it's like it, personal relationships, mm-hmm. you know, Cuddy's working at the Bape store and, you know, like linking with plain Pat and Pat believes in him and, you know, gives records to A-Track who he knows from, you know, Kanye touring stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, A-Track and I listen to the music. We're sort of like, oh man, this is, there's something about this song like it's weird. There's there's, there's no beat really. Like he's singing and, <laughs> yeah. and and I think that you know as we're listening to the day and night demo, it's just sort of like you know what. Two days later, I'm still thinking about this. Song. Yeah, Three right, days yeah. later, I'm still thinking about the song. So w- w- we have this sort of like oh what's what's the deal? You know how does it fit? Did, will DJs play it? Like da da da. Because it's not obvious. Right. It's not an obvious kind of record, but he's a magical dude, you mm-hmm. know? And and that magic is present in that record. And so I think that for us, it was just sort of like, hey, you know what? This this has it. We believe in it. Right. You know? And it, it was harder to put out one-off little singles right. back then. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like we pressed vinyl up, you know, like that's expensive. And, yeah. You know, there's no, there's no tune core. Like, right, right, right. You know, yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah. just a different kind of dynamic. But there was something about it where it was like, you know what, this is worth trying. Right. Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. Like there's mm-hmm. been tons of songs in the last 12 years that are sort of like, man, this is something cool. And it doesn't really go beyond that. Right. You know, and that's no, you know, that's no dig on the artist or the song. Right. Just, if something's really dope, there's no sell by date. And it'll be rediscovered one day. You know, when mm-hmm. we're doing like the Fool's Gold 30th anniversary compilation, you know, there's going to be tons of records that people fronted on. And now it's like, oh, my God, they're so, <laughs> so forward thinking. And did it. yeah. it's like, oh, well, where were you when we needed to sell it? Like, yeah. You know, but all this stuff is, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not flimsy. But uh, it, it in 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 the scheme of life, mm-hmm. like it doesn't actually matter, right? You know, and and so I think that that's a, a healthy attitude to take, where it's just sort of like, hey, you know what? Let's not get so tied up in you know the the weirdness of it, and just be pure and mm-hmm. just be enthusiastic, and let that enthusiasm try and you know keep stuff going ephemeral. Mm. ephemeral all this stuff is ephemeral and Mm -hmm. i think that in an ephemeral world the fact that we've made something lasting i think speaks to the spirit behind it yeah not to be you know all goop about it right right right, right. shout out to gwyneth um i want to hear some stories so like you've obviously worked at fool's gold for a while you've worked with a lot of different artists like who what are some of your most interesting stories whether that be the artists and just how they ended up working with fool's gold or the artist stories themselves or 
Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting stories tend to congeal around like the day off shows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's funny. Like there was there is definitely a, a a point a few years ago where it used to be that like you know the person backstage with face tats was gonna perform. And then everybody just had face tats. So, so it becomes this sort of like thing where it's like, if everybody has face tats, like, does anybody actually have face tats? You know, like it's very, very existential. But day off is interesting because, because day off, again, it's like, you know, you, you, you have entourages. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's crazy, especially when it's like people who no one even knows yet. Sort of like, you know, nobody knew who trippy red was but he showed up with like 20 dudes and was a real <laughs> fucking headache you know yeah. what i mean but it was a cool moment right you know what i mean and you look back and it's like oh wow this is as the the moment that somebody's blowing up into something yeah, and, right and this show was the you know catalyst for it in some yeah. way you know like those kind of things like that's i think where like the, the the more like crazy stories come in the more you know world star worthy i was there stories. for one like the Lil Yachty Fool's Gold Day Off. Oh, it was yeah. like early on as his ascent, dude. And the crowd control, first of all, so it was is, crazy so, lit. So, yeah. so, so, like, so, the, so the, 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 the backstory of that was we were going to do Day Off at uh, this helipad um, on 30, 34th Street, like right by the water. And the night before the show, as everybody's getting there to like literally build the stage and set stuff up, this helicopter makes an emergency landing <laughs> right in front of where the stage was going to go. Right. So we're like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> what do you do? Well, you learn what you can't do because like with FAA regulations and stuff, if something makes an emergency landing, it can't be moved until it's been checked out and okayed by um, – you know, a certified mechanic. Like we right. literally couldn't like lift it up with a crane and move it out of the way so we could put on the show. It was just there. And so like the conspiracy part of your brain is moving. It's like, did someone just like do this because like, <laughs> they didn't want the thing to happen? Like, they were worried about like, you know, rappers or yeah, what yeah. have you. So it was, just, it was just a nightmare. But fortunately, you know, I think the, everybody who we, who we do stuff with has a, a can-do spirit. And so uh, Irv uh, from Brunch Bounce, who's a, a longtime partner who we work with on events, um, A-Tracks management team, teamwork, uh, Andrew from Teamwork and Irv, you know, th- they went into super scramble mode. They were like, oh, well, there's this beer garden in Queens that we <laughs> went to. And so they found the place. The beer garden was like, you know what? We don't have anything going on in the morning, but when UFC starts, you got to go because <laughs> your people have bought their tickets. And in a matter of hours, we moved the show to this space in Queens. So it's sort of like, you know, okay, this, this, this event can live Yeah. now. Can it stay alive? It becomes the the question of the night. And so for the most part, you know, there's no real backstage kind of headaches. There's no real overcrowding headaches. Like we've had stuff shut down because of people, too many people in the past. Like um, when we were doing day off at this parking lot behind City Winery, the mm-hmm. year that French Montana played, like kids were gate crashing and like climbing over the fence. Somebody climbed over the fence and like fell through a porta potty and like, mm-hmm. you know, that got oh, shut shit. down before French could even perform. Damn. So that sucked. Like that was literally shut down by the police. With Yachty, it was a little bit of a different story because it was like, it was teetering on the verge of shutdown, you know, not even because it was legally doing anything wrong, just because, you know, the authorities have the right to just say like, hey, you know what, you're done. They can do that. She's getting too wild. You know, so, you know, he actually got to finish his set though. So, you know, uh, the Migos did not and they were, you know, rightfully uh, bummed Mm -hmm. about that. And, you know, again, you know, that's the kind of thing where it's like Atrax personal Mm -hmm. friends with them and like you know he's he's out there not just as a label owner and a concert thrower but just as like a homie Mm -hmm. and so you know that it becomes awkward but you know if you if you if you own up to everything and if you're straightforward with people and you're not trying to bullshit people or pass the buck none of this stuff matters you know what i mean sort of like hey you know what this is how this played out wasn't how we wanted it to, but right. here we are. You know, let's let's figure it out. Totally. You you always have to approach shit with an attitude of let's figure it out. Mm-hmm. And if somebody doesn't want to figure it out, well, fuck them. You don't want to figure it out in the first place. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, but ninety nine point nine percent of the time, you know, we have a, a a positive outlook on things, and I think that that shows in the in the product, whether mm-hmm. it's a record or a show or a t shirt. Yeah, you know, like this stuff is made with love because there's no 
reason to make it otherwise. And, yeah. You know, I think that's what keeps this going year after year. That's what I try to teach my interns the most out of anything. It's like you anything that I ask you to do, just assume that there's some sort of solution and that you're just here to find it. But, you know, they at first it's like they're nervous. They they I ask them to do small things and they come back to me like, I don't I don't know how to do it. Like, can you teach me? I'm like, well, did you look it up on these resources yet? Like, did you, how much, how did much you did you actually try? Did you consult the computer in your pocket? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I think, I think that's like a huge, a huge thing in, in, in any field, really. It's like, there is a solution. I just have to find it. I think that's a, a valuable thing to learn and to, and to teach people for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. It was cool too. Cause I think even for Migos, like you guys also threw a party with Migos like four years prior or something. With two, with two of three, two, was that two, one? two, two, two Migos only. That was Take off, offset, offset, offset was locked yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's like all of this stuff, it's a community at the mm-hmm. end of the day. You know, even if, when people move, move on to become like huge celebrities and mm-hmm. whatnot, like, you know, it's all part of a, of a larger right thing and you know the, the the people you see on the way up will be the people you see mm-hmm. on the way down yeah how yeah. impactful do you think the fool's gold day off has been in nurturing your community like i feel like that's powerful like not only is it a good revenue stream for the business but it's it creates community in a in real life environment like, yeah, that goes for sure. i mean it's it's the it's the premier thing we do Mm-hmm. Every year. Um, and I think that it's the kind of thing where it's like it's it's not tied into whatever releases we're putting out. Although right. we do try to showcase as many sort of new mm-hmm. artists as we can. And now, you know, the challenge is, is that we're not the only game in town. Right. You know, like every brand wants to put money behind like, you know, a boiler room type thing. Right. And, right. you know, you, you have the sort of mega like rolling loud kind of festival. Yeah. So, you know, year in and year out, it's not be you know, it's not just who's fun to book. Like, you know, it's right. not just like the fantasy baseball element of it, but also like, man, as a, as a concert venture, how do you separate yourself? Totally. You know, and sometimes that's not even an easy answer. I mean, like, luckily, you know, the brand is, is strong and, you know, that counts for a lot, but it doesn't count for everything. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's it's fun working on this year's because I think that that sense of like, hey, it's it's getting crowded out here, you know, it will force more interesting decisions just right. on some pressure makes diamonds shit. Right, know? right, right. Um, how do you think being a musician yourself interacts with you being a label executive and vice versa? Like, are you ever like, damn, I want to work with this artist, but I also like want to sign this artist, <laughs> or, or like. I maybe, maybe if I sign him, he'll yeah. work with me. <laughs> yeah, like, do, they, do they ever interact with each other? Sometimes it can be difficult because, you know, you never want to be in a situation where people think that, like, you just want to put your fingerprints on stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and and make it like, oh, oh, this is your record. Now it's my record. You know, yeah, like, yeah. That's, <laughs> and, and, and I think some of that is just you getting to know people. You know what I mean? And, like, and I'm the last person to make those kind of suggestions. That said, if you seek out those suggestions, my experience, you know, in that world is is valuable, you know? I, I think the biggest thing from a from a label, the the artist input on the label side of what I do is I think having more empathy in terms of like, hey, you know what? It sucks when you're waiting to put music out that in your mind is finished mm. and you don't know why. So it's like, hey, you know what? Let's go the extra step and explain like, hey, this is why this unmastered music you sent over last night can't come out tomorrow right. because X, Y, Z, da, da, da. Which, you know, might seem obvious, but if you're if you're a brand new artist and this is the first label you've ever dealt with, the first situation, that extra step is important. And and kind of be, having been on the other side of that, of like turning in music and never knowing when it's going to happen when you, you know, doing a remix for some, you know, giant label or whatever, you're completely at the mercy of when they feel like <laughs> dropping that. Sort mm-hmm. of like, you know, hey, you know what? I know what this feels like. I don't want you to be bummed out about it because I'm not like explaining stuff. Right. Um, that actually just yeah. happened to me the other day. One of my artists did a, did a remix and then all of a sudden he just texted me and was like, yo, did they tell you it was coming out? I was like, no. And then he was like, yeah. it's out. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? It's out? 
<laughs> all, all kinds of stuff. And the same same thing with DJing. You know what I mean? It's like you 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 experience some of the greatest shows ever, or you experience some of the actual worst ones. And so it's like knowing that like all of this is a spectrum and sort of like, hey, you know what? <laughs> this can kind of fall anywhere on it. I want to make sure that as much as I can your experiences fall on the good side. And if it's not going to, if it, if it looks like there's something that might be problematic, like explaining it, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I think that when you have experience, you might take for granted that other people don't have it. And so it's just sort of like, hey, you know what? If, over the course of your career, if you stick with this, you will experience the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And right. so the challenge is maintaining through all of them, not getting crazy jump off a bridge dejected when something doesn't go the way you thought it would and not being super gassed when you're on top and everybody wants to give you money for stuff, right. <laughs> you know, because both those things cancel one another out on the, um, on the spectrum. And what you're left with is, did you enjoy the process? And so as long as you enjoy the process, it works. Even for me, it's like when I'm making music, I try not to think about the business element of it. I try not to think about the release element of it, which can be difficult because that's what I'm doing right. day in and day out. You know, I, I try to be like, hey, you know what? Am I having fun making this or do I feel like it's an obligation? You know, if I feel like it's an obligation, it's like, you know what? Fuck this. I want to watch a movie. You know, like, <laughs> but, if I, but if I'm having fun, it's like, oh, great, cool. This is, this is why I'm doing this. I like the learning aspect a lot. Like I like when I can feel myself getting better, like it's very, you know, matrix, like, ah, I know Kung Fu, you know, like <laughs> I, I know baselines. So like yeah. you, know, this, you, you pick stuff up. That to me is a really satisfying feeling. Like I've gotten more into um, the, uh, the video and animation side of stuff because that's a, you know, a thing I have an interest in. Like, you know, aside from all the music stuff I do already, like I, I really love, you know, writing and, and directing. And that's something that I hope to, you know, pursue, am pursuing, you know, and, and as I, as I learn things and I get better at that and sort of like, Oh, I'll make a video for a single I have coming out. Oh, Hey, this is better than the last one. That feeling of this is better than the last one right. counts for a lot. And right. so I'm just kind of like chasing that in terms of my personal work. Nice. Sometimes you have to push through the stuff that's not fun. Yeah. Can you talk about that experience and also how, like, how you, I mean, cause you've been at it. I mean, you guys, 2005 is when you guys technically were founded. Uh, 2007 is 2007. The That's okay. what we celebrate. Okay, yeah. cool. So, I mean, 12 years at this point, um, I'm sure there's been moments where it's been a lot mentally, physically. Can you talk about kind of pushing through those? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, you know, for me, like I'm a married dude, you mm -hmm. know, and I think that having a, a sort of stable personal life is really important because it allows me to just kind of like detach and realize that like, Hey, you know what? This stuff is not that deep. Right. Let me mm -hmm. not get so fired up about whatever random challenge of the day it is. Yeah. <laughs> bring that energy home yeah. with me. Cause yeah. that's not fun for everybody. So it's like being able to kind of like keep stuff at arm's length, you know, is something that you have to, you know, train yourself to. I'm fortunate in that, like I'm a that generally positive right. person. Like it's not like difficult. Like I don't have to go to therapy for mm -hmm. that stuff, which mm -hmm. is not to knock therapy. If you need it, get it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I that sort of like having some semblance of boundaries, which, yeah. you know, isn't the easiest thing to do when you own your business mm -hmm. slash are your business. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so that's, that's, I think first and foremost, just kind of splitting up sort of like, Hey, this is work. And then this is Nick. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those two things coincide. Sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as just other challenges, you know, over the years, you know, um, you may find yourself in a situation where it has nothing to do with you and it sucks or, or it doesn't turn out like, you know, the way you thought it would be like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, we're going to sign this distribution deal. And mm -hmm. everybody's like, oh, hey, well, with our muscle and know-how and experience, we'll take you from here to here. Mm -hmm. And then when you don't get to there or you have the, the first thing that kind of like doesn't do what you thought it would <laughs> right. be. So they're like, oh, these attitudes are a little bit different. Like these, mm -hmm. these emails are returned with less speed than yeah. before, you yeah. know, it's like, and you realize like, oh, you know, we're not the priority 
that we thought we would be. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, th those kind of situations, when you experience them the first time, you know what to avoid the, you know, in the future mm -hmm. and, and knowing like, Hey, you know what, this phrase in this contract really means this. Mm -hmm. So when we do another contract, we make sure that it also has this phrasing to allow us to da, da, da. like it, being able to kind of have like that sort of pocket knife mentality of like, mm -hmm. Hey, you know what, this didn't work. So uh, flip through it. Oh, right. now, now this will work. Right. Um, and you know, that even goes towards like DJing and stuff like that yeah. too. You know what I mean? The biggest thing I try to teach people when they ask me for like DJ advice is just sort of like troubleshooting essentially yeah. <laughs> like like oh when your computer does this do this is this and keep this cord with you in case it totally shits the bed yeah. like, da, da, da. so so i think that again problem solving mindset you yeah know what i mean none of this stuff is really that deep so mm -hmm. if you're true to your word and you keep that attitude of like you know what we'll figure it out any challenge is conquerable yeah and then i want to Tie that into what you, in the beginning of the conversation, you said, if you feel ever like you're not engaged in something, that's a good sign to you that it's time to take that next step. How do you balance the two of knowing when to persevere versus knowing when it's time to shift or evolve your role to move your focus away from X thing because it's not engaging anymore? So yeah. That's a pretty good question because yeah. I'm actually wondering that about myself yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> There's no right or wrong answer because on the one hand, you know, you need to feel a personal investment in things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you can't take shit personally because it'll kill you. Right. And so knowing what that balance is, I think it's different in every situation. But I think that when you've been through something that kind of sucked – your gut tells you, oh, it's this again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's a question of, do you listen to your gut or not? Right. And I would say your gut is generally right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't have like the sort of scarcity mindset. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like there's always going to be new shit to work on. Right. You know, there's always going to be new artists to work with, new songs to put out. So it's like, don't let any one thing, um, you know, become a roadblock and right. which isn't to say don't try and fix stuff yeah mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it, it's very easy to just be like oh this didn't really work out like i'm gonna bail mm -hmm. you know it, <laughs> but just you know don't feel like you've kind of like let yourself out there more than you're getting back yeah you know sometimes you you realize like oh shit you know we haven't been working together i've just been doing mad favors right. <laughs> you know like right. and, and, and nothing happens in return mm -hmm. I, I you know you you can't be like super cold about stuff but you can be clear-eyed and mm -hmm. i think that those things are similar but very different right and you know you don't want to find yourself in a position where you're like making decisions because like you feel bad somebody mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like we're all human beings we're all we're all sensitive you right. know but that can't be sort of like ah oh, yeah you know i heard this crazy sob story and mm -hmm. uh, now we're putting out an ep you know like totally. it, 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 it's it's and sometimes you feel shitty about that but you know from a business perspective it's like hey you know what three or four of those moments and then you don't have money to put out new things and right sort of like and you knew from the beginning that it was going to be – that it was going to have problems. Yeah. So, it's, so again, listening to your gut early, you know, I, I think is uh, is helpful. But you don't learn those lessons until you've been through it. Yeah, Until yeah, you yeah. fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until yeah. you aren't clear-eyed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but to that note, I think it's great to, 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 to fuck up early, you know, especially like for, for people who are just starting out in their career. You know what I mean? Like learn as much as possible. Take chances. Fuck up early and and hopefully on somebody else's dime, you know. What I mean? Like you know, like just because play, no yeah. one knows everything, you know. And but if you make a mistake, you, you own up to it. You learn from it. You mm -hmm. figure it out. You know. Yeah, it's dope. I like that. So we got we got some hot yeah, takes. Yeah, man, let's do it. Oof. So hot takes are pretty much just a section of our podcast where we try to say something controversial to you to see how you respond. Okay. So it's just supposed to stoke thought. So the first hot take, artists who run their own labels can't do it unbiasedly. Huh. Um, I think that is true to in the sense that like if you're an artist running a label, you should be doing it with some kind of point of view. You know, I think a lot of times people, people you know, have, have used the phrase like vanity label, almost like a diss. You know, like I remember when Madonna 
launched uh, like Maverick Records back in the day. Like people called it like, oh, this is Madonna's vanity label. But lo and behold, her manager super has his shit together and they sign Alanis Morissette and the Prodigy <laughs> and did it. It's like, oh, well, who's the vanity label now? Mm-hmm, you know, right. I, I do think that and a label, much like an artist, needs to justify their existence because there's just too many of both. Right. <laughs> so if you're going to do it, what is the reason behind why you're doing it? Not just you, – you can't just be like, I want to support new artists. Okay, but what kind of artists? You know, you, you have to define what you do and why you do it or else you're just kind of you're, – you're going to find yourself treading water. Like mm-hmm. having that kind of like mission statement, that elevator pitch of like – this is why we are us and why we're not them. Mm-hmm. You have to have that. And so if that reads as bias, you know, maybe it is, but it is for 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 the right reasons. Right. You know, I don't think bias is necessarily a bad thing. It just needs to be put in a proper context. Right, mm-hmm. right. Dope. I like that for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a good answer to the hot take. <laughs> it's a cold take now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next one. Uh Major labels are being disrupted by independent labels. Mm, I think that it is as disrupted as any other part of the music business is until it's then engulfed mm. into the system. And and I don't think that it's one is necessarily better or worse right. than the other. You know, I think, you know, the idea that they're sort of adversarial in some way is a little outdated. I think that it is the kind of thing where it's like, as an artist, at whatever stage you're at in your career, you have to make the decision of what makes the most sense for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of labels of all sizes, major labels, independent labels, operate from a very um, reactionary standpoint mm-hmm. of almost like, hey, well, you're turning this into me. You know, you you did your record and you made your artwork and did it and you're just presenting this and we're essentially a distributor, mm-hmm. you know? And like that is, you know, boring, right. but it, it works sometimes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think a lot of people find themselves in both those ways. That said, there's independent labels, you know, who will give input and hone things and make suggestions and help craft a product that you know, didn't exist before in right. that sort of format. Right. And so do major labels. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think that, you know, there's there's a sort of assembly line um, attitude in, in different places that certain artists find very distasteful. Mm-hmm. And then other people have, you know, made millions of dollars being a cog in that, right. you know, assembly line. So it has to be right. like, hey, you know what? Is this what I'm built for? Or is it not? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's situation is different. I don't knock anybody who's out there trying to make it happen for them. I think that if you're doing it from an honest place and you're not screwing people over to get there, like there's enough opportunities for everybody. It's like you just have – the challenge is finding the opportunity that's yours. Right, right. I like that. Um, so I guess one last question to uh, – it's to be hard because we got lots of questions. We could sit here and ask <laughs> questions all day. But um, – I mean, I think a lot of the people that listen to the show are either aspiring artists or managers, um, potentially even running their own labels. Uh, I mean, we spoke to the traits for artists that you see amongst artists that start to succeed, but like, what should early stage artists be focusing on when it comes to like building a sustainable career? I think that everybody across the board who makes it to the next stage did it with fans. They didn't do it with investors. Mm. They didn't do it with, you know, muscle behind them. They did it because they made a thing that people liked. Mm -hmm. And so if you're starting out and no one likes it, that could be a couple things. That could be, you're not doing a good enough job of sharing it. Mm -hmm. You're not putting yourself out there in the way you have to. Um, You're not being open to feedback, you know, like there, there's mm-hmm. something is blocking people from, from getting at it. And, you know, a lot of times people will come to us and just be like, oh, cool. Well, you'll be able to put my stuff worldwide. And it's like, 
yeah, but like, do you, do you even have friends? You know what I mean? Like, are you your friend's favorite artist? Like, mm-hmm. like do, do your cousins bang your shit? Like, right. you know, like I, I think that a lot of people don't ask those basic questions. I'm just mm. sort of like, hey, do the most immediate people around me care about what I do? Right, right. Because all of these things, it's like circles of a tree. You know what I mean? Right. Like they, they, it grows out from the inside. So any career starts with fans. It starts with like somebody likes it. Maybe I'm one of those fans. You know what I mean? But don't sell me on what your deal is. Let me become a fan of what you do. You right. Know? And if you can't even do that, like, you don't have to send me demos every week. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I always tell everybody, it's like, hey, you know what? This is pretty cool, but I don't hear about you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see you talking to artists and vice versa. Like, you know, stuff can't exist in a vacuum. And when it does, it's so transcendently good that it would have blown up. Right. anywhere right. most stuff is not that <laughs> especially mm. in the beginning yeah you know and we're in a weird part of the bell curve in that like the middle area everything is more or less fine mm-hmm. you know when i come <laughs> when i come across something that's super shitty i'm almost as psyched as when i come across something that's amazing because i'm like how did you do that most stuff is fine which translates to forgettable right right and so you know, when everything is fine, it's sort of like figuring out how do I get further along mm-hmm. to that undeniable yeah. side, that amazing yeah, side. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if stuff is just fine, it's like cool. You know, you don't need me to be, you know, a player in that story. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Any any last thoughts, Jordan? Nah, man, that was that was good. That was good. Yeah, really appreciate it, Nick. I All mean, right. Super excited for your continued success, We, we put it down in the Wyclef room. Yeah, yeah we did. Is. We did. Shout out Wyclef. <laughs> Boom. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right. So this episode was incredible. Um, really appreciated Nick and, I mean, taking us to a bunch of really awesome places. I, I really love the kind of the personal side of entrepreneurship. But I think, I mean very entrepreneurial i mean he even said it he, like he had like one job working at fader before that he was like freelancer and after that he went into fool's gold um and i think just the way in which he was able to build the brand build the community um do it for a deeper purpose than just money and really seek enjoyment throughout the process and course correct if that wasn't there right i, I found that all to be super super valuable and insightful for myself as an entrepreneur and even just for you guys that are listening that are trying to help build successful careers for your artists and, right. and for yourselves what do right. you think man i mean he's had a couple careers so like you know this podcast could have been like you know, twice as long, three times as long as it actually was. We just, we just kind of got the surface of everything, but that just goes to show the breadth of knowledge that he has, you know? So, um, I thought it was, you know, super great having somebody like that here. Somebody, somebody who's clearly like very, not just smart, but articulate waited, you know, there were a couple times during the, during the interview, me and Sam were talking about this prior to recording where he would just finish spitting game and it'd be like, damn and we both yeah. would just stop and look yeah. at each other it was like whoa bro we gotta let that sink in for a second yeah. so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah definitely an enjoyable experience hope everybody enjoys it who's listening for sure um, and thank you guys as always for tuning into the episodes uh, if you're really enjoying it we just asked today that you forward it to one other friend that you think would get some value out of this so um, on that note thank you guys so much for your support we out we out we out